just for a warning, once again, as stated in the beginning of the message, I'm going to remind you, this message is a message with some pretty heavy content that is not appropriate for young ears. So, if you do have young ones about, once again, this is a reminder to be listening either to this message in private or get the young ones out of sound range, please. Okay, now I just got done talking about how husbands and wives are supposed to love each other and not be self-centered or self-willed. Well, now even though this particular next point does not mention the word love, nor the word husband, wife, wives, or any of that. I brought this particular text in because everybody always preaches this in context to marriage and love and all that. And I thought it appropriate in this because everybody knows the word charity also in the Bible means love. And because I want to pull out something very important in this text that everybody just jumps right over the top of. So I want us to look at it and get what it really means. So let's look at it and see what they've been missing. Let's look at it. The famous love chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're looking at the whole chapter, of course. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass, or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. 
For now, we see through a glass, darkly. But then, face to face. Now, I know in part. But then shall I know, even as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. <laughs> Do you catch that? Especially through verses 4 through 7. Hopefully you were reading that real close, especially through verses 4 to 7. See, here's what most people miss. See, charity, that means love. See, that's the agape-type love. That's what they mean there. See, that's not the kind of love we know here in the United States. Not this mushy junk we got here in the United States. We're talking agape love, which is where you put the different types of love together. We're talking the real kind of love that Paul's describing here. Now, look what it says there. True love, what? It's kind. A husband and wife that really care and love each other, they're kind to each other. Oh, yeah, there are going to be times that they have disagreements, but eventually they come back together. They're kind to each other. Secondly, they're not selfish is basically what that's saying. They're not self-centered. They don't think of their selves. They don't think of their own needs and, oh, I got to have you all to myself. Hello, that comes back to the multiple marriage thing. If you knew that you couldn't have, if you had gotten injured in such a way at age 27, and you were in the war, ladies, and you got injured and you came back and you couldn't be with your husband physically, You wouldn't expect your husband to live out the rest of his life from 27 till 80 as a basically a eunuch for you, suffer for you, would you? And you wouldn't divorce him for that dumb reason either. You'd probably love him too much to divorce him, so what, are you going to be selfish? That's against the Bible. It's not self-centered. It says it bears all things. And it endures all things. There it is. It would be willing to bear, not be jealous. And it would be willing to endure a second mate in that situation. In that situation. Why? Because you would love your mate enough. There's the proof. Under that, and you notice, under that circumstance. But how many people are ever pushed under that kind of circumstance? Not many. See, sometimes circumstances would push that. But not all. Now, when that circumstance is not there, then the husband and wife, would have to say, no, it is just you and it is just me. You see what I'm saying? This is my point. 
True love, if it's needed, would do that. But if it's not needed, would not. This is what these scriptures are saying and have been saying. They are right here, have been right under our noses. And they've been in the Bible for so many years. Whether anybody wants to believe it or not, they've been right there. All a person had to do is read the book. But you know what? They're not going to read the book. Why? Because they've been taught ever since there was a little kid, what mom and dad were taught, that their mom and dad was taught, that their mom and dad was taught for thousands of years. That's where I get this name, Dr. Broadbottom. He is the, quote, church, unquote, that has been around for thousands of years. It's that historical, quote, church, unquote, that has been taught way back before there was ever such a thing of a Strong's Concordance, where they couldn't go through every verse and catalog all these verses and find out what it truly had to say. So they had to come up with their own theories as to what it might have meant, what God may have meant. And obviously, this is where they was a, got off track and they came up with their own ideas of what they thought he meant. But they didn't know. And then when they did have such things, they, by this time, had already came up with their own theories and they got too lazy! to double-check to see if what they were being taught was real. But the Bible says you're supposed to check out your leaders. The Berean Christians are dead. And it's sad to say they are. And then when somebody who happens to be a good Berean Christian shows up on the scene and says, Oh, no, I'm willing to go verse by verse and check every last verse in the Bible to verify and see if this is really true. And now, buddy, the rest of them stand up. The school of Dr. Broadbottom and says, oh, he's a heretic or she's a heretic. Well, then so be it. I'm a heretic. Because I just happen to be one of those Berean Christians to see if those things that have been taught for thousands of years, are really, really, really true. <laughs> now we get into a, something really interesting. We hear from Solomon in the book of Proverbs, and he talks about being ravished with a strange woman and embracing the breasts of a stranger. And this is found in Proverbs chapter 5, verses 15 through 20. Proverbs chapter 5, verses 15 through 20. Proverbs chapter 5, verses 15 through 20. Drink waters out of thine own cistern, 
and running waters out of thine own well. Let thy fountains be dispersed abroad and rivers of waters in the streets. Let them be only thine own and not strangers with thee. Let thy fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Let her be as the loving hind and pleasant roe. Let her breasts satisfy thee at all times, and be thou ravished always with her love. And why wilt thou, my son, be ravished with a strange woman and embrace the bosom of a stranger? Ooh, yeah. Well, in this setting of Scripture, we find actually something that I'll be bringing back up, this exact, exact text in part two about the sex part of our marriage, part, obviously, because it's talking about that very issue. But here we want to make sure that it says here, why are you basically going to a stranger? Why are you going outside your marriage? You notice it says outside your marriage. You should be embracing your own, your own wife. You shouldn't be embracing somebody else. You shouldn't be embracing your own wife. And notice women, women, wives. I want you to catch this. Something a lot. You ever noticed that, that something interesting? And I'll be bringing this up also in part two, but part one also. You ever notice this? A lot of women say, well, men seem to like breasts a lot. See, it's not just for babies. See, God made breasts for men to enjoy as well as the little children. They're there, and God shows you right here that that's why. And ladies, he said very clearly, you're supposed to let your breasts satisfy your husband at all times. You're supposed to. That's part of what you're supposed to do for your husband. And if you're not doing that, you're not fulfilling a part of your marriage. You're leaving out a valuable part of the marriage bed and a part of the marriage duty for your husband. Now, of course, like I said, I don't want to get into part two because that has nothing to do with the marriage aspect about adultery and fornication and all that. But I will say that in relationship to adultery and fornication is this. If you're not doing your part, think of it this way. When you're not doing your fulfilled part, think of a. I'm just, I hate to use this illustration, but a lot of times it works. Think about it. If you have a dog outside your house and you treat it mean, don't feed it or whatever, eventually it goes out, and if it's loose enough, it will go looking in the garbage cans at the neighbors. If you have a cow and your if there ain't no grass for it to eat or whatever, Guess where it goes? It goes to a pasture elsewhere. If you have a sheep and the grass is greener in another field, it's going to go to that greener grass in somebody else's field. Why? Because that's where it can eat. Don't take rocket science. 
Well, if your husband is not being satisfied with you because you are constantly not satisfying him sexually, emotionally, and mentally, and then he goes outside your marriage commits adultery, can you blame him? Partially, it's your own fault. It's your sin for not doing your part. Paul even said that back in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Remember it said, the only time you're supposed to leave each other for a time is for fasting and prayer. You should come back together again that the devil not tempt you. See, that's why Paul said so. Otherwise, why? Because here, here Solomon himself made it very plain. Because if you don't, somebody else is more than happy to fulfill your role. And you don't want that. So get it through your thick skull. Open your Bible. Read it and weep. All right. Now, we come to some texts that had to do with some folks, especially some Israelites, that were told to put away their strange wives. Their strange wives, which means they were wives that they weren't supposed to be having because they weren't of the Israelite people. And they weren't supposed to have them because these were Levitical priests. And in order to be pure Levites, they were supposed to not have these particular wives. They were supposed to have white wives of the Levite priesthood. As we remember reading back in the Levitical law, remember that Levites, if you were a priest, you were only allowed to marry a daughter of a Levite priest. Well, these guys were marrying wives outside not only of the Levite priesthood and, and of the daughters of Levi, but they even went worse and were marrying daughters of that were not even Jewish. That's why they were called strange wives. So these guys were supposed to put away these strange wives, these foreign women. Now, there's two comparative scriptures that are in reference to this. The first one is found in Ezra, Ezra chapter 10, verses 1 through 44. Ezra chapter 10, verses 1 through 44. Ezra chapter 10, verses 1 through 44. Now, when Ezra had prayed, and when he had confessed, weeping and casting himself down before the house of God, there assembled unto him out of Israel a very great congregation of men and women and children, for the people wept very sore. And Shechaniah the son of Jehiel, one of the sons of Elam, answered and said unto Ezra, We have trespassed against our God, and have taken strange wives of the people of the land. Yet now there is hope in Israel concerning this thing. Now therefore, let us make a covenant with our God to put away all the wives, and such as are born of them, according to the counsel of my Lord, and of those that tremble at the commandment of our God. And let it be done according to the law. Arise, for this matter belongeth unto thee. 
we also will be with thee. Be of good courage and do it. Then arose Ezra and made the chief priests, the Levites, and all Israel to swear that they should do according to this word. And they swear. Then Ezra rose up from before the house of God and went into the chamber of Johanan, the son of Eliashib. And when he came thither, he did eat no bread nor drink water, for he mourned because of the transgression of them that had been carried away. And they made proclamation throughout Judah and Jerusalem unto all the children of the captivity that they should gather themselves together unto Jerusalem, and that whosoever would not come within three days, according to the counsel of the princes and the elders, all his substance should be forfeited, and himself separated from the congregation of those that had been carried away. Then all the men of Judah and Benjamin gathered themselves together unto Jerusalem within three days. It was the ninth month on the twentieth day of the month. And all the people sat in the street of the house of God, trembling because of this matter and for the great rain. And Ezra the priest stood up and said unto them, Ye have transgressed and have taken strange wives to increase the trespass of Israel. Now therefore make confession unto the Lord God of your fathers and do his pleasure, and separate yourselves from the people of the land and from the strange wives. Then all the congregation answered and said with a loud voice, As thou hast said, so must we do. But the people are many, and it is a time of much rain, and we are not able to stand without. Neither is this a work of one day or two, for we are many that have transgressed in this thing. Let now our rulers of all the congregations stand, and let all them which have taken strange wives in our cities come at appointed times, and with them the elders of every city and the judges thereof, until the fierce wrath of our God for this matter be turned from us. Only Jonathan the son of Asahel and Jehaziah the son of Tikvah were employed about this matter, and Mishalem and Shabbatai the Levite helped them. And the children of the captivity did so. And Ezra the priest with certain chief of the fathers after the house of their fathers and all of them by their names were separated and sat down in the first day of the tenth month to examine the matter. And they made an end with all the men that had taken strange wives by the first day of the first month. And among the sons of the priests there were found that had taken strange wives, namely of the sons of Jeshua, the son of Josedach and his brethren, Maasiah and Eliezer and Jerob and Gedaliah. And they gave their hands that they would put away their wives. And being guilty, they offered a ram of the flock for their trespass. And of the sons of Immer, Hanani and Zebediah, and of the sons of Harim, Maasiah, and Elijah, and Shemaiah, and Jehiel, and Uzziah. And of the sons of Pasha, Elioenai, Maasiah, Ishmael, Nethanel, Josabad, and Elasa. Also of the Levites, Josabad, and Shimei, and Keliah, the same is Kelita, Bethahiah, Judah, and Eliezer. Of the singers also, Eliashib, and of the porters, Shalom, and Telem, and Uri. Moreover, of Israel, of the sons of Perosh, Ramiah, and Josiah and Malchiah, and Maiamin, and Eleazar, and Malchijah, and Benaiah. And of the sons of Elam, Mataniah, Zechariah, and Jehiel, and Abdi, and Jeremoth, and Eliah. And of the sons of Zatu, Elioenai, Eliashib, Mataniah, and Jeremoth, and Zabad, and Azizah. Of the sons also of Bibai, Jehohanan, Hananiah, Zabai, and Athlai. And of the sons of Bani, Meshullam, Malak, and Adiah, Jashub, and Sheol, and Ramoth. And of the sons of Pehath Moab, Adna, and Kelal, Beniah, Maasiah, Mataniah, Bezalel, and Binuai, and Manasseh. And of the sons of Harim, 
Eliezer, Ishijah, Malchiah, Shemaiah, Shimeon, Benjamin, Malak, and Shemariah. Of the sons of Hashem, Matini, Mattatha, Zabad, Eliphalet, Jeremiah, Manasseh, and Shimei. Of the sons of Benai, Maadai, Amram, and Yuel. Beniah, Bediah, Kelu, Beniah, Merimoth, Eliashib, Mataniah, Matini, and Jeosor. And Benai, and Binuai, Shimei, and Shelemiah, and Nathan, and Adiah. Machnadabai, Sheshai, Sherei, Azareel, and Shelemiah, Shemariah, Shalom, Amariah, and Joseph. Of the sons of Nebo, Jeiel, Mattathiah, Zabad, Zibina, Jador, and Joel, Beniah. All these had taken strange wives, and some of them had wives by whom they had children. The second scripture in reference to this putting away of strange wives is found in Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 13, verses 23 through 30. Nehemiah chapter 13, verses 23 through 30. Nehemiah chapter 13, verses 23 through 30. In those days also saw I Jews that had married wives of Ashdod, of Ammon, and of Moab. And their children spake half in the speech of Ashdod, and could not speak in the Jews' language, but according to the language of each people. And I contended with them, and cursed them, and smote certain of them, and plucked off their hair, and made them swear by God, saying, Ye shall not give your daughters unto their sons, nor take their daughters unto your sons, or for yourselves. Did not Solomon king of Israel sin by these things? Yet among many nations was there no king like him who was beloved of his God, and God made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless, even him did outlandish women cause to sin. Shall we then hearken unto you to do all this great evil, to transgress against our God in marrying strange wives? And one of the sons of Joiada, the son of Eliashib the high priest, was son-in-law to send Balat the Horonite. Therefore I chased him from me. Remember them, O my God, because they have defiled the priesthood and the covenant of the priesthood and of the Levites. Thus cleansed I them from all strangers and appointed the wards of the priests and the Levites, every one in his business. All right. Now do you see what they're talking about here? They're talking about, of course, the strange wives who were not Israelite by birth. And especially when it came to the priests, they were not as written in the law of Moses, the daughters of the Levite priesthood, as they were supposed to be. These guys were doing big time wrong. Now, what was more interesting, they made it very plain that King Solomon, where was he wrong? He was marrying. That's what God had his big issue was. Everybody talks about all these preachers like Dr. Broadbottom and all them. Oh, well, Solomon had so many wives. Shut up! That wasn't the issue that God had. That wasn't where they said, read the text again, especially Nehemiah. It says that he took strange wives. He married foreign women. And they led Solomon astray after false gods. It wasn't the fact that he had multiple wives. It was the fact that he followed other gods, other gods, other 
gods. Get it? I hope so. Because, see, the issue was not the multiple wives. It was the ones he married. It was who, not how many. It was the fact that he married these women that were foreign women that were following a false god. I'll give you an example. If a Christian that believed in Jesus Christ was to go and marry, say he was to have a Christian wife, and then decide he wanted to have a multiple wife because he had a biblical reason and decided to go marry a Buddhist. God would have, Jesus would have a problem with that. Or a Satanist, he would have a problem with it. But he certainly wouldn't have a problem with a Christian marrying another Christian. A Christian having two Christian wives. A Christian husband having two Christian wives. Or a, a Christian, or, or a Christian. Or, or a, 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 a Christian woman having two Christian husbands because she absolutely had a biblical reason. That wasn't the issue. It wasn't the numbers. It had to do with the issue of the false gods. Get it through your thick skull, read it, and weep. Okay. Now, you've heard me already say several times about God in his word has showed in the New Testament, as you saw with Paul talking about multiple wives, comparing 1 Corinthians 7 and Matthew 19.12. Well, did you also know that God himself, not just the apostles and Jesus, how about God himself gave a law in the Old Testament to Moses concerning multiple wives? All right, time for Dr. Broadbottom and his students to drop their teeth. Yes, there was a law. All this time. And no, Jesus never revoked it. Not once. Hello, for those who like to say, well, Jesus never revoked certain laws. Well, uh, then why was it that Jesus never revoked this law? Hello, he never did. There was lots of laws he never revoked. He never revoked the Sabbath law. He, he, he Of course, we switched it from worshiping on the Sabbath to Sunday because it was his resurrection. But not once did he revoke marriage and anything about how many wives. He talked about not committing adultery, but not once did he revoke the fact about wives and how many. Not once did he revoke about thou shalt not kill. In fact, you find that he's talked about. The very same thing. So, uh, and a lot of times he talked about the Old Testament law, and he said it, what he pointed out, it was what was in the heart 
that was more important than what was in the law. And you notice he even brought up the dead brother's law, which pertained to multiple uh, to a person that was basically a woman that had been passed down the line. Now, here is somebody who has a multiple partner. Multiple partners. Now, here's the actual law that God handed down. Time to drop your teeth there, Dr. Broadbottom and all of his students. Well, where is that located? In fact, there's two texts in the law. And let's do the comparative verses. The first one is found in Exodus chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. Exodus chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. Exodus chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. Now these are the judgments which thou shalt set before them. If thou buy an Hebrew servant, six years he shall serve, and in the seventh he shall go out free for nothing. If he came in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he were married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master have given him a wife, and she have borne him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters, and he shall go out by himself. And if the servant shall plainly say, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out free, then his master shall bring him unto the judges. He shall also bring him to the door, or unto the doorpost, and his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. And if a man sell his daughter to be a maidservant, she shall not go out as the men servants do. If she please not her master, who hath betrothed her to himself, then shall he let her be redeemed. To sell her unto a strange nation, he shall have no power, seeing he hath dealt deceitfully with her. And if he have betrothed her unto his son, he shall deal with her after the manner of daughters. If he take him another wife, her food, her raiment, and her duty of marriage shall he not diminish. And if he do not these three unto her, then shall she go out free without money. The next text, the second text about the multiple wives law is found in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 21. Deuteronomy chapter 21, verses 10 through 17. Deuteronomy chapter 21, verses 10 through 17. Deuteronomy chapter 21, verses 10 through 17. When thou goest forth to war against thine enemies, and the Lord thy God hath delivered them into thine hands, and thou hast taken them captive, and seest among the captives a beautiful woman, and hast a desire unto her, that thou wouldest have her to thy wife, then thou shalt bring her home to thine house, and she shall shave her head, and pare her nails, and she shall put the raiment of her captivity from off her, and shall remain in thine house, and bewail her father and her mother a full month. And after that, Thou shalt go in unto her, and be her husband, and she shall be thy wife. And it shall be, if thou have no delight in her, then thou shalt let her go whither she will, but thou shalt not sell her at all for money. Thou shalt not make merchandise of her, because thou hast humbled her. If a man have two wives, one beloved and another hated, and they have borne him children, both the beloved and the hated, and if the firstborn son be hers that was hated, then it shall be, when he maketh his sons to inherit that which he hath, that he may not make the son of the beloved firstborn 
before the son of the hated, which is indeed the firstborn. But he shall acknowledge the son of the hated for the firstborn by giving him a double portion of all that he hath. For he is the beginning of his strength. The right of the firstborn is his. Okay, Dr. Broadbottom. <laughs> I really hope you got some heavy-duty leather clothes or steel, maybe. As you, I really got the gospel whip on you. More like the sword of the spirit is like it. Boy, you're getting wounded. <laughs> Hopefully you're reading these close. I know what you're going to say on the one out of Exodus. Well, that only says another wife. That could just mean, you know, he got divorced from the one or she died and he just got another. No, 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 no. Another means another. Because especially when it's in light of Deuteronomy. When a man hath one wife and the firstborn of the hated precedes the firstborn of the beloved, huh? Do, do, do. You are so stupid, Dr. Broadbottom. No. Both these texts are talking about multiple wives, especially in light of Deuteronomy. It says, when a man has two, 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 get it? Two wives. And his first wife, all you got to do is go back which, of course, we will be dealing with. Yes, we will. Come on, you Jewish lovers, you Hebrew roots folks. Right back to the very beginning. Leah and Rachel. Leah was beloved. Rachel was beloved. Leah was kind of hated. But Leah had the firstborn. Rachel did not. But whose son did he beloved? Joseph. Joseph and Benjamin. Why? Because it was Rachel. It's obvious who Joseph loved. And God was saying, if a man had two wives... He was not supposed to show, basically, favoritism. Now, here's the point that I want to bring up in marriage. For this point, there's the big problem with multiple marriage. And the only problem. If it becomes necessary for a person to have a multiple marriage, so long as they follow the Bible edict and they don't show favoritism one over another and they show equal love to both wives as Christ loved the church, there's not a problem. Hello. Why? Because if he loved both equally, loved 
let's say it had Jacob loved Leah as Christ loved the church, and had he loved Rachel as Christ loved the church, guess what? It'd have been okay. But we got to understand how that situation came about. Jacob went and decided to serve for Rachel. But what he was doing is he had forgotten what the situation was. She was the younger. And we'll get into that when we study Rachel and Leah, when we get to that and how the multiple marriage got there. But the whole point was she was the younger, and that's how he ended up with Leah as well. So, but the point comes down to God had a rule for multiple marriage, and it was right here in his law. He said, look, if a man takes another wife, and in Exodus he says, if you have two wives, look, you can't show favoritism because you want to show favoritism to the beloved wife's son just because he's the firstborn of her and you want to pass the seed through him and say, okay, I want to show favoritism while the other one nailed. No, can't do that. Oh, no. Rather, you have to do it God's way. And God's way is you still give the firstborn right to the firstborn, whether you like it or not, because he was the firstborn, period. And that's final. Okay, now, do you know that's not the only text in reference to multiple wives? Yeah, there's another in reference to the king, the Jewish king that Israel had in reference to multiple wives and the Jewish king. God had a law for the Jewish king as to them having multiple wives. And we find that law found in Deuteronomy chapter 17, verses 15 to 19. Deuteronomy chapter 17, verses 15 through 19. Deuteronomy chapter 17, verses 15 through 19. Thou shalt in any wise set him king over thee, whom the Lord thy God shall choose. One from among thy brethren shalt thou set king over thee. Thou mayest not set a stranger over thee, which is not thy brother. But he shall not multiply horses to himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt to the end that he should multiply horses. For as much as the Lord hath said unto you, ye shall henceforth return no more that way. Neither shall he multiply wives to himself, that his heart turn not away. Neither shall he greatly multiply to himself silver and gold. And it shall be, when he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom, that he shall write him a copy of this law in a book, out of that which is before the priests, the Levites. And it shall be with him, and he shall read therein all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God, to keep all the words of this law and these statutes to do them. <laughs> Boy, did Solomon get that one mixed up, didn't he? Well, he didn't have no problem with the Let's see. See, it did say. See, it said this. 
He wasn't supposed to multiply horses to himself. It wasn't that he wasn't supposed to have them. It was the fact that he had too many. When it says multiply, that means so many that it was ridiculous. He wasn't supposed to multiply to himself silver and gold. Not that he wasn't supposed to have some to take care of the kingdom. Just so much that it was ridiculous. Wasn't supposed to multiply to himself wives. Wasn't the issue of not having one or two, maybe five, or one or two, like I say. But when you have 700, come off it. How many women do you need? See? There's the problem. Two wives, okay, I could see a person, a guy needing two. I see two. I see two. I see multiple partners as in two. I see a man with two women or a woman with two men. I see that when it's necessary, biblically. But seven, come on, Solomon, 700? But then you notice the last point. Here's where Solomon must have went wrong. Obviously, he didn't take and, as the thing said, it didn't say the Levites are supposed to read it to him. It didn't say that they he was supposed to get somebody else to write it down for him. That's where you get copy errors. He was supposed to write it down himself, a copy of the book. What book? the law, so he could have it and read it day and night. Hello, how many of our presidents do that? Get a copy of the Bible, put it in the Oval Office, and read it day and night, huh? Boy, what, can you imagine what kind of nation we'd have if we did that? Amen, amen, amen. Okay, I know what you're going to say now. Well, those scriptures are all nice about multiple wives, but those are in the Old Testament. Well, then hold on to your seat, Grandpa and Grandma. You better grab your hand, put it on top of your head, and hold on to your hat, Grandpa. And Grandma, you better tie on your bonnet real good. Because for those of you who like to say, about this healthy, wealthy, and how God is going to bless you with all this stuff because you're following Jesus? Well, you forgot something in there that Jesus said he's also going to do for those who follow him. There's three settings of Scripture that I want you to read, and then I want to point out something in there very carefully for you that you've missed. Let's look at them. The first of the three is in Matthew chapter 19, verses 27 through 30. Matthew chapter 19, verses 27 through 30. Matthew chapter 19, verses 27 through 30. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. 
And every one that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive an hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. But many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. All right. The second of these in reference to Jesus and the New Testament references about what he might have said about the promising of his promises in the New Testament about what he might do for his followers. The second one will be found in Mark chapter 10, verses 28 through 31. Mark chapter 10, verses 28 through 31. Mark chapter 10, verses 28 through 31. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time houses, and brethren, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and lands, with persecutions, and in the world to come, eternal life. But many that are first shall be last, and the last first. Okay, the last text, the third text, about Jesus and his promises to his followers, what he was going to promise them that have forsaken all to follow him, is found in Luke chapter 18, verses 28 through 30. Luke chapter 18, verses 28 through 30. Luke chapter 18, verses 28 through 30. Then Peter said, Lo, we have left all and followed thee. And he said unto them, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house, or parents, or brethren, or wife, or children, for the kingdom of God's sake, who shall not receive manifold more in this present time, and in the world to come, life everlasting. Ooh. Now, you heard it out of the mouth of Jesus. And yes, New Testament. New Testament, and out of the man you call Lord. What did he say? Three accounts. Now, Matthew didn't say in this present time, but both Mark and Luke said, this present time. Let me repeat that. This present time. Let me say it again. This present time. Now, what did he say was going to happen in this present time, you healthy, wealthy crowd like this, promise, you focus on the lands, the houses, the money, but you forgot the other things that were there. If you left mothers and brothers and parents, those were going to be restored to you a hundredfold. Now, that's easy to figure out how you're going to get those. You're going to get those in your brothers and sisters in Christ. You'd get new mothers in Christ. You'd get new fathers in Christ. I'll give you an example. I never thought I'd be a father in Christ. But the fellow I was just telling you about 
who's preaching this Hebrew roots doctrine about about the Hebrew roots doctrine about it and how it's a cult. He's a Jewish fellow named Tim Groover. I've become practically a father to that fellow. He told me that I was like his daddy and Ruth is like his mama. My wife Ruth is like his mama. Never thought I'd be like that, but okay, fine with me. So see, I gained a son. He gained a father. That's what the Bible said would happen. But, you ready? It also said if you left your wife because of the gospel, he said you would gain new wife, a new wife, but not just wife. He said it, you, they would be multiplied in this present time. Now, for you single people in Christ who are looking for a wife, take that to heart because God said it would happen. Not just a wife, but if it's, quote, if it's needed. Don't think that God is going to give you 20 wives like Joseph Smith just so you can live it up and have a bunch of orgies. No, that isn't what it's for. God meant if you need them for some absolute necessitative reason, he would give you an extra wife. See, Jesus knows when a person needs an extra wife and he promises if they're needed, he will provide them. Right there in his promise. But the nitpickers would say right now, I know what they're going to say. Ugh, you're teaching false doctrine. No, it ain't. It's right there in the book, man. I didn't change it. Jesus preached it. It just happens to be that you don't want to read it. Why? Because hundreds of years you wanted to twist it to your own liking so that you could twist the word adultery and fornication to your own liking too. But the book has been there hundreds of years. And just the fact was you're too lazy to read it for yourself. Amen. Amen. And amen. The first thing I want to talk about here is those in the Bible who have one wife. One wife. Now, of course, there are many people in the Bible who had one wife that were talked about. Now, of course, I'm not going to read every scripture on those. Now, some of these I am just going to make reference to in this section. We're just going to read the reference. And for those, so that you have time to look at the reference and then read that reference. I will repeat the reference as I've been doing throughout this message a couple of times, you could pause as needed to look up that reference if you so choose. But I will re tell you who the person is, and then I'm going to give you the reference where you can find the person and their wife. So that's what we'll be doing. And there are many people that I'll be mentioning here. And then later, I'm going to also read and comment on, as I've done, others that had but one wife, but for this section, we are going to just refer to 
these who had just one wife. The first person I want to mention here is going to be Cain, who is the son of Adam and his wife. And you will find Cain's wife in Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 17. Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 17. Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 17. The next person we want to give the references to is Lot's wife. Lot's wife. He is the brother of Abraham. And we're talking about Lot and his wife. There are two references that we're going to give you here. The first is in Genesis chapter 19, verses 15 to 26. Genesis chapter 19, verses 15 to 26. Genesis chapter 19, verses 15 through 26. The second is located in Luke 17 and verse 32. Luke chapter 17, verse 32. Luke chapter 17 and verse 32. Okay, now we're going to look at Hagar's son. Now, of course, Hagar's son, his name was Ishmael. That's at, it's Abraham. Abraham had two wives, as most people know in the Bible, Sarah, and then there was Hagar, who was the Egyptian handmaid. The Egyptian handmaid, Hagar, had a son who was the first son of Abraham, Ishmael, and Ishmael had a wife. Well, we're going to find out about his wife here, and the verse that you verse or verses that you find his wife is found in Genesis chapter 21, verses 1 through 21. Genesis chapter 21, verses 1 through 21. Genesis chapter 21, verses 1 through 21. Okay, the next person we want to give reference to is Potiphar's wife. He's, of course, the chief steward of Pharaoh in Egypt. And we find about his wife in... Genesis chapter 39, verses 1 through 19. Genesis chapter 39, verses 1 through 19. Genesis chapter 39, verses 1 through 19. The next one we want to bring up, it's going to have three verses to show you about them, is Amram's wife, and that is, of course, For those who don't know who Amram is, Amram is the father of Moses, and those who know a little bit about who his wife was would be Yoshebel. And so we're going to be talking about Amram and Yoshebel. So Amram's wife, and we find them in the following verses. Exodus chapter 2, verse 1. Exodus chapter 2 and verse 1. Exodus chapter 2 and verse 1. The second verse about Amram is found in Exodus chapter 6, verse 20. 
Exodus chapter 6 and verse 20, Exodus chapter 6 and verse 20, and the final verse about Amram and his wife Yoshebel is found in Numbers chapter 26 verse 59, Numbers chapter 26 verse 59, Numbers chapter 26 and verse 59. Next one I want to talk about is Moses's, Moses himself, and of course his wife, Moses's wife. And there's two references about Moses and his wife. And their first verse is found in Exodus chapter 4, verses 20 through 26. Exodus chapter 4, verses 20 through 26. Exodus chapter 4, verses 20 through 26. The next scripture about Moses and his wife is found in Exodus chapter 18, verses 2 through 6. Exodus chapter 18, verses 2 through 6. Exodus chapter 18, verses 2 through 6. Next, we're going to talk about Aaron's wife. Now, Aaron, of course, being Moses's brother, Aaron. So we want to talk about Aaron's wife. And there's one reference to Aaron's wife, and that is found in Exodus chapter 6, verse 23. Exodus chapter 6, verse 23. Exodus chapter 6, verse 23. Exodus chapter 6, and verse 23. All right, the next person I want to bring up is Aaron's son's wife. This is, of course, the priest Aaron that we just got done talking about, but now his son's wife, his son, and, of course, that son's wife. And that scripture will be found in Exodus chapter 6 and verse 25. Exodus chapter 6, verse 25. Exodus chapter 6 and verse 25. Okay, the next one is Ethniel, and this fellow has Caleb's daughter. Now, of course, we know who Caleb is. He's the guy who um, went in as one of the spies to seek out Jericho. And he also was one of the ones who finally went in later, and took and was one of the 12 spies who came back and was faithful. So, and it hit, it's his daughter, so she is going to be the wife of this guy, and the scripture is found in Joshua chapter 15, verses 16, 17, Joshua chapter 15, verses 16, 17, Joshua chapter 15, verses 16 and 17. And the second verse is found in Judges chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. Judges chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. Judges chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. The next one is going to be a guy named Lapidoth, and his wife is actually Deborah the prophetess. Deborah the prophetess, and the scripture that talks about her being the wife of Lapidoth is found in 
Judges chapter 4 and verse 4, Judges chapter 4 and verse 4, Judges chapter 4 and verse 4. Okay, the next one is Heber's wife, Jeel, and there are three scriptures about Jeel, Heber's wife, and the first one is found in Judges chapter 4, verse 17, Judges chapter 4, verse 17, Judges chapter 4, verse 17, and the second one is found in Judges chapter chapter 4, verse 21, Judges chapter 4, verse 21, Judges chapter 4, verse 21, and the last one is found in Judges chapter 5, verse 24, Judges chapter 5, verse 24, Judges chapter 5, and verse 24. And then there's Gilead's wife found in Judges chapter 11, verses 1 through 5. Judges chapter 11, verses 1 through 5. Judges chapter 11, verses 1 through 5. Then we have Manoah and his wife. Now, Manoah is, of course, Samson, the guy who was the one who slew a lion with his bare hands, and everybody knows who Samson is, the Nazarite. So, Manoah and his wife. And that's found in Judges chapter 13, verses 1 through 23. Judges chapter 13, verses 1 through 23. Judges chapter 13, verses 1 through 23. Now, the next one we want to talk about, it's got two scripture references to it, is Samson's wife, Samson himself, Of course, we're not talking about Delilah. We're talking about his wife, the one he had from Timnah, the one he married. And we're talking about her. And there's two scripture references. The first one is found in Judges chapter 14, verses 1 through 20. Judges chapter 14, verses 1 through 20. Judges chapter 14, verses 1 through 20. And the second one is found in Judges chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. Judges chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. Judges chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. The next one is about Elimelech and his wife Naomi. And everybody knows who Naomi is. She's, of course, related to Ruth. So, Elimelech and Naomi, and that scripture is found in Ruth chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Ruth chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Ruth chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. All right, now the next one, this is where the two daughters of Naomi, which are Ruth and her sister, each of them had their own husband. And you're going to find the text of Scripture about these two women and their husbands found in Ruth chapter 1, verse 4, Ruth chapter 1, verse 4, Ruth chapter 1, and verse 4. Now we find where, Ru- where Boaz, where Boaz takes Ruth 
as his wife, where Boaz takes Ruth as his wife, and that is found in Ruth chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. Ruth chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. Ruth chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. And here I just want to make a small note that you will notice that here Boaz has to follow the rule of the dead husband's brother. All right, the next one is Phinehas's wife. Now, of course, we, those who know their Bible, will know Phinehas is a priest. So Phinehas, his wife, and this is found in 1 Samuel chapter 4, verses 19 through 21. 1 Samuel chapter 4, verses 19 through 21. 1 Samuel chapter 4, verses 19 through 21. All right, the next one is Saul. This is, of course, being King Saul, his wife, Ahinoam. King Saul, his wife, Ahinoam. And this is found in 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 50. 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 50. 1 Samuel chapter 14 and verse 50. Next is Adriel's wife, and they are found in 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses 17 to 19. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses 17 to 19. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses 17 through 19. Next is Nobel's wife, Abigail, and they are found in 1 Samuel chapter 25, verses 1 through 38. 1 Samuel chapter 25, verses 1 through 38. 1 Samuel chapter 25, verses 1 through 38. The next one is Ahizmoth's wife, Basmath. And they're found in... 1 Kings chapter 4 and verse 15. 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 15. 1 Kings chapter 4 and verse 15. The next one uh, is a king, Jeroboam, and his wife. He has one wife, and he's found with his wife in... 1 Kings chapter 14, verses 1 through 20. 1 Kings chapter 14, verses 1 through 20. 1 Kings chapter 14, verses 1 through 20. The next one is another king. And we're going to look into King Ahab. And, of course, nasty old Jezebel, his wife. Ahab and his wife Jezebel. And there's two references. The first is found in, we have 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 31. 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 31. 1 Kings chapter 16 and verse 31. The next verse is found in, and 1 Kings Chapter 21, verses 1 through 30. 
1 Kings chapter 21, verses 1 through 30. 1 Kings chapter 21, verses 1 through 30. Now we have a common man, a soldier, because he's his name is Naaman. And this is his wife that we're talking about. So Naaman and his wife, and they're found in... 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 2, 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 2, 2 Kings chapter 5, and verse 2. Okay, now what we have is Joram's wife. Now, of course, she is the daughter of King Ahab. So Joram's wife, and there's two references to the to these two, Joram's wife and her being the daughter of Ahab. There's two references. The first one is in 2 Kings chapter 8, verse 18. 2 Kings chapter 8, verse 18. 2 Kings chapter 8 and verse 18. And the second reference is found in 2 Chronicles chapter 21 and verse 6. 2 Chronicles chapter 21, verse 6. 2 Chronicles chapter 21 and verse 6. Okay, now we have Shalom's wife, who is actually Huldah the prophetess. There are two references to them. The first is found in 2 Kings chapter 22, verse 14. 2 Kings chapter 22, verse 14. 2 Kings chapter 22 and verse 14. And the second verse is found in 2 Chronicles chapter 34, verse 22. 2 Chronicles chapter 34, verse 22. 2 Chronicles chapter 34 and verse 22. Okay, the next one we have is Jehiel's wife, Macha. And they're found in 1 Chronicles chapter 9, verse 35. 1 Chronicles chapter 9, verse 35. 1 Chronicles chapter 9 and verse 35. Next we have Barzilla's wife. Barzilla's wife. And there are two references to him and her. The first being found in... Ezra chapter 2, verses 61 and 62. Ezra chapter 2, verses 61 and 62. Ezra chapter 2, verses 61 and 62. And the second verse is to be found in Nehemiah chapter 7, verses 63 and 64. Nehemiah chapter 7, verses 63 and 64. Nehemiah chapter 7, verses 63 and 64. The next one is, and for all those Jewish people, they'll definitely boo and hiss on this one, Haman's wife, Zurish. Boo, hiss! Haman, of course, his wife, Zurish. And there's two references. The first to be found in Esther, chapter 5, verses 10 through 14, Esther chapter 5, verses 10 through 14, Esther chapter 5, verses 10 through 14, and the second is found in 
Esther chapter 6 and verse 13. Esther chapter 6 and verse 13. Esther chapter 6 and verse 13. Next one is Pilate's wife. Now, this is, of course, Pilate, the one who asked Jesus, what is truth? This is Pilate, and this is in reference to his wife. So Pilate's wife, and the scripture is found in Matthew chapter 27, verse 19. Matthew chapter 27, verse 19. Matthew chapter 27 and verse 19. Next one is Zacharias. Now, of course, he's a priest, Levite priest, and his wife, Elizabeth. And that scripture is to be found in Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 25. Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 25. Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 25. Now we're going to be talking about Jesus' wife, Joanna, and that's found in Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. Next one is Cleophas' wife, Mary, and that's to be found in John chapter 19, verse 25. John chapter 19, verse 25. John chapter 19 and verse 25. The next one is Ananias' wife, Sapphira. And they're found in Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Next is Aquila's wife, Priscilla, and they are found in Acts chapter 18, verse 2, Acts chapter 18, verse 2, Acts chapter 18, and verse 2. And the last one I want to refer to here is Felix's wife, Jerusalem, and they are found in Acts chapter 24, verse 24. Acts chapter 24, verse 24. Acts chapter 24, and verse 24. And, of course, as you could see, these are all people, as I said, that have one husband that had one wife. <laughs>